Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. So good morning, Free Life. How are you? Oh, come on. Really, that's it? Good. Heather, that's it. Good morning, Free Life. How are you? It's time to get out of whatever it is you're in, the funk or the doldrum or whatever it is. Get out, get out, get out. Uh, your pastor is back, excited to be back. Uh, California was fine. Uh, Indiana's not so great, but I'm pastor here. <laughs> and so, <laughs> God help me, I'll get the best I can in the cold weather. And you know, uh, I had 70 degree weather uh, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, it didn't last there very long, just a few hours during the day, but, but I'll take it. Anybody? And so, but I found that uh, we are a little bit more sane uh, than our brethren in California. Uh, and there's a, you know, I don't want to do a big comparison, but here's what I found out. It doesn't matter where in the country you live, Jesus Christ is still Lord. And isn't that a plus to everybody? Did you know, friends, uh, and I don't know if, how you guys are and our friends at Mecca uh, and our friends who are watching from online. Uh, I do not know uh, if you are control freaks or not. Anybody here a control freak? Anybody willing to admit you are? Okay, granted. Anybody think maybe you are? Okay, is anybody willing to admit that you probably have been at least once or twice? Okay. Here's the thing. How many of you in here love it when things are outside of your control? Anybody? Not a hand, right? Nobody likes it when you can't control people, events, situations, whatever. I even got to the point, and you, you're going to think this is funny, but I, I can't, you know, I'm, the way I drive, uh, I, I don't want to be held back by any reason. I've got a place to go. I'm going to get there as expediently as possible, whether it be traffic lights, traffic, or people, or whatever. Okay? So, uh, I have tried to train my brain, because they, you know, they claim that the brain is powerful, and to, to telepathically or tele telepathically uh, change uh, stoplights. It doesn't work. So that, that, that gives me consternation. Uh, so there's, you know, and of course, I found out, and my wife told me uh, several times that when you're driving along uh, and somebody's in front of you and they're in the passing lane and they don't belong there, it's illegal in Indiana. In fact, if someone, if some flashes their lights at you, you have to get out of the way. It doesn't matter what the speed limit is. You have to get over. And if you don't, you could be stopped, and that could be a $500 fine first-time offense. I know that because I, I was a deputy, you know. So, so in any case, most people don't know that law exists, and, they'll, and they'll, if they're stopped, they'll say, no, 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 I'm going to speed limit. Well, it doesn't matter. You have to move. But here's what my wife told me. She said, they're not going to move, and you can't change it. And I'm like, ugh, can't stand it. You know, that's my thing. But I'll bet all of you have things you can't change and you don't like it. Am I right? There are things in life we can't change and we don't like it. We would like the authority and power to change it. Whether it's convincing people this or that, uh, changing a particular situation, uh, whether you're getting your way at the, at the retail store or not, or the restaurant, or whatever it might be. And you can't change it, and all it does is frustrate you. I think there's a brilliant quote out there, it says. It's almost like trying to teach a pig to talk. In the end, you only end up frustrating the pig. There is so much truth in that that I can't really get past it. But here's what I found out. In this time, you can be different than society. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I have determined not to go back into uh, the sermon series that we, that we left uh, prior to Christmas. We will go back in there, just not today. The Lord 
brought this scripture to me while I was in California, and I could not get past it. This is a brand spanking new message. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. I like the paraphrased version of the New Living Translation. Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. Now, that's massive. I could have a sermon on that alone. However, I want to go further. He says that I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in the heart. Woo! Woo! Now, anybody get goosebumps on that? Yeah, I bet you did. I bet you did, friends. And if you didn't, go back and read it again. Look at what he says, okay? We want to have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in the heart. I would say that Christians, unfortunately, sometimes do exactly that. We're more concerned with our appearance than we are the heart. Okay? Very important. In 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Okay? And he died for all so that they live, they, they, they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize that no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way are no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, you might notice that I did that out of direct translation of the New American Standard to begin with. And I want to show you the contrast in the New Living. So if you have your New Living and you're wondering what I'm doing, here it is. It is because we know the solemn fear of the Lord that we work so hard to persuade others. Man, does that change the meaning right there. God knows we are still sinners, and I hope you know this too. Are we trying to pat ourselves on the back again? No, we're not. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart before God. Boy, are you grasping this? Okay? If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Whatever we do, it is because Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe we have all died to the old life we used to live. Isn't that what God demands of us? Amen. To die to the old life that you used to live. And live now for the new one that he's given you. Yes? Amen. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live to please themselves. Right. Oh my goodness. I think Christians are trying to please themselves. I think Christians are living to please themselves. Can I get an amen? I think we might be. I think we might be. He said instead they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Do you see that? Once, he said, I mistakenly thought of Christ in this way, as though he were merely a human being. How differently I think about him now. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore, for the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, what does it have to do with what we just talked about? Everything. Everything. And I began to think about it, and I thought, well, none of us can control the future, and none of us knows when this COVID thing is actually going to end, okay, or even get better, by the way. What we do know is that it might and it might not soon. It might get better soon, and it might not. We, we really don't know, do we? None of us knows what this new presidential administration in American politics is going to mean. We really don't. We really don't know. And we don't know what fallout might happen with the outgoing administration. We don't know. I think some things might be in motion. But we don't know. And none of us knows where America 
will now stand on the world scene with the new administration. We just don't know. And we don't know how quickly or how much further we're going to morally fall and decline as a nation. We just don't know. We can guess, but we don't know. Amen? And the reason is because the conceivable, my wife and I talked about this yesterday, the conceivable becomes a thinkable, and the thinkable becomes the doable. That's happened over and over, and it's becoming enhanced. And even though we might not be able to do anything about any of this, and, you know, and this is what I'm talking about, about control. I can't do anything about any of this. I really can't. And people say, well, why don't you run for office? Well, yeah. But what, what does running for office here in Beagle County have to do with the national scene? Zero. It's a stepping stone. And I'm too old to have a career here and then move on to that. I, I, and it, I'm not going to get there. You understand? Some of you, maybe you could and maybe you should. I don't know. People said, I don't vote. Why? Because my vote, my brother told me yesterday, my vote will never make a difference. Well, yeah, but my wife said, if everybody thought that way, yeah, it would. You're right. But when people all collectively do it, it can make a difference. You see, there are certain things you can do. But what happens when you've done everything you can and there's nothing else to do? Therein is the question. What if there's nothing more you can do? You've done everything possible. Well, that's where God comes in. Always has been. And sometimes God wants to come in a little sooner than that. Right? Sometimes he does. And then other times God wants you to, to do what it is with his help and guidance, and then when nothing more can be done, then he'll take over. Okay? There are a lot of scenarios that we could talk about as it relates to that. And so the more I began to think about it, I found something out. Even when we might not be able to do anything about what's going on, the situation, no control of this or that, whatever, and we're at someone else's mercy or a government's mercy or whatever, maybe it's nature. Okay? We have what unbelievers do not. This is what we have to grasp as Christians. We have Jesus Christ and we have his promises. That's what we have. So your life can change. Your life can be different, can't it? You see, the Apostle Paul experienced dramatic changes in his life, and he, and he kind of lays that out here. Now, what was the dramatic changes? Well, it all stemmed from this encounter with Jesus Christ. That's where it all started, wasn't it? Started on the road to Damascus, didn't it? His life was never the same after that, was it? And if you don't know the story, you ought to go back and read it. It's pretty, pretty powerful. But when he said, when he, was, when he lost his sight, he said, who are you, Lord? Because he knew it was. Didn't want to admit it, but he knew. I think people have encounters with Jesus Christ all the time. They don't want to admit that's what it is. I think the Holy Spirit moves on people when we pray for the Holy Spirit to move on people. And they don't want to admit that that's what's happening. <laughs> right? Just like we don't want to admit it sometimes, yeah? The Holy Spirit's trying to get in your ear, trying to get in your mind, trying to tell you, looky, looky here. And you're like, eh, I don't want to looky, looky here. Huh? Haven't we done that a little, just a little bit? Okay. The Spirit's powerful, yeah? Yeah? Dramatic changes take place when you have an encounter with Jesus, whether it's the person of Christ or by His Spirit. It appears to me in the Bible that they're one and the same. <laughs> I might not have had a, uh, an altercation or an encounter with Jesus Christ, the person, because He'd already sent it, but His Spirit has met with mine. Anybody? And I believe that my encounter is the same as Paul's encounter in the flesh. Because the Bible says that it is. His spirit is just as powerful as his person. Yes? Come, come on, guys. Yes or no? You got to know this. Of course it is. The spirit's powerful. And you know what, friends? Sometimes we need to meet Jesus. Even though we've already met him, we need to meet him again. And again and again and again. And the fact is... I've got to the point that I don't ever want to be without him in any, in any way. Even though I don't necessarily like what he's trying to tell me sometimes. What he's trying to do sometimes. And maybe I don't even like what he's done. Or what he won't do. And other times we just need to remember our first encounter with him. To go back to what changed for us. 
right? You see, friends, people need encounters with Jesus Christ. You need to remember the one you've had and to have continued encounters with his spirit. That's a fact. And you know somebody that's never had an encounter with Jesus Christ or they won't admit it or they don't know about it. And they need to have one in a big way. Why? Because he's the change agent. He's the one that can make the difference. He's the one that make the difference in me. He's the one that made the difference in you. And he's the one that can make a difference in any situation you find yourself in. And if he won't change it, he'll give you the authority and power to get through it. Just real simple. The Bible says all glory. All, Jesus said all things have been given unto me. All things. Right? That means if I'm part of this, then my will's been given unto him. That means that, that I've given him all authority in my life. That means I, yes or no. That's what it means. I'm going to trust him implicitly. Why don't we then? Right? Isn't that a fair question? Do you know that we need to help others encounter Jesus Christ? It's a paramount thing. It's something we have to do. And listen, I lived a large amount of my life thinking, well, maybe there's a God, but I don't believe in all this other mumbo jumbo. And when I finally met the Savior, I found out how stupid I was, how ignorant I was, how ridiculous my thought process was. <laughs> and you better believe when Jesus called me to ministry, I went kicking and screaming. <laughs> but now, that's all there is for me. That's all I want to do because I know what I know what I know. And no one will ever convince me that it isn't right, real and right. No one. Because I've had encounters with Jesus Christ. I continue to have them. I know it. Now, your encounters might be different than mine, but you're going to have them. Now, do you notice those that, aren't, that don't have Christ, you don't have to be like those that don't have Christ. Sometimes we still do it in this humanity, but you don't have to. Anybody struggle with that sometimes? They kind of rub off on you a little bit. You hang out with people and you start to act like them a little bit. Your thought process starts to kind of be like theirs. You start to use their humanity thinking, societal thinking, which is really Satan thinking, even though we don't want to admit that. Okay? Sometimes this happens, and when it does, friends, we begin to be very human in our thought process. And God says, no, no, no. No, 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 you, 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 you don't get it. You used to get it, but now you don't. What's wrong? What happened? God wants you to have an encounter with him so he can snap you back to where you belong, yeah? And not only that, God gives you this. He says, test the spirits. <laughs> test and see, right? If I'm right or wrong. Test and see if it's good or not. He gives us that authority, doesn't he? And he wants you to. You can know. Do you know what we have that they don't? We don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. We don't even have to wonder. Come on. Friends, we don't, we, we don't. We do still, but we don't have to. And neither, I say, should we. Notice the changes that Jesus Christ makes for those who believe and the changes he can make for those who will seek him. You've got to notice these things. Number one, he can change your status. <laughs> he changed mine. Did he change yours? Well, if he hasn't, he can. You see, everybody on planet Earth, if they're still alive, stands somewhere in relation to God. You might be real close. You might be as far away as the day is long. And most people, I think, are somewhere in between. That's what I think. Now, many times I've had you... I've shown you my little drawing doing a mass a lot um, where I make a big H and I put arrows on it and one side of it is salvation where you got saved and over here is Christian perfection where you're completely perfect before God on this earth and I believe we can get there. Paul said so. John Wesley believed it. Said he hadn't gotten there yet but he believed it could be done. You know why? Because if Jesus was perfect and he said be like me in every way that means you can be. Yes? problem with it is we struggle getting there, don't we? So uh, that's a sermon for another day. But here's the deal. 
from salvation to perfection, you're on that line somewhere. No matter which way you're going, you're on that line somewhere. And notice that it's sometimes you'll take several steps forward, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting closer, and then something will happen, and bam, 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 you're back a little bit. Anybody done that? Seems like it's a, yeah, back and forth, back and forth. Some days you're pretty happy with your spiritual growth and you're, where you're going toward, toward the Lord, and other days you're like, yeah, kind of blew that one. Doesn't happen? Anybody blown it lately? You're still, you're still saved, you know, but you blew it. And God's like, that's okay. You know, don't do it. I don't want you to do it anymore. But if you, if you let me help you, you might not. Okay, so here's the deal. The more of me that's in you, the less of self that's there, and the better you're going to be every time, right? Anybody learned that yet? Okay, so that, see, that's what God wants to do. He wants to fill you and do that. You're on that line. Everybody is. Everybody is in relation to God somewhere. And you know what? I, ha I think the world has a lot of people that have zero relation with him. Zero. Which means if he were to turn today, you know what happens. Friends, I know what I know. I truly believe with all that I am that if Christ had returned this second and it could, it could be that. I would go with him. I believe it. I know. I believe it. There are some days that I've wondered because I did some stupid stuff. Yeah? But I don't think your salvation is that, that easy to lose. Unless you're telling God, talk to the hand and being completely disobedient. Well, then you can lose it. Okay? But I haven't had, <laughs> I haven't had a string of days like that. Everybody stands somewhere in relation to God. They may not want to admit it, may not believe it, but they do. Everyone does. Notice what happens when you meet Jesus Christ. First of all, you pass from death unto life. Can anybody say, praise God for that? Huh? Come on, wake up, kids. I'm telling you. Okay? 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. If we love others, it proves that we have been delivered from hell and given eternal life. There are going to be people that you're going to encounter that you won't like very much. But you can love them. And you should love them. And if you do, it proves that there's something different about you. That you've transformed. That he has changed your status. He says, but a person who doesn't have love for others is headed for eternal death. I believe that. Jesus loved his enemies. In fact, he even asked the Father to forgive them. And I wonder... Now, now here, here's a big one, my, my friends. He's on the cross. And we automatically, when we read that scripture, we think, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And they just put him on the cross, see? And so there were all those Pharisees and those around in the Sanhedrin, you know, and, and, the, and the Romans and everybody. And they're the ones that did it. We're looking, oh, those guys, you know, they, they put him on the cross, you know. Oh, and, and so uh, he's forgiven them, you know. But what about when I put him there? What about when you put him there? Now, of course, none of us ever did that, did we? Oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. And every single time you sin after he saved you, you're putting him right back there again. Because it takes what he did to forgive you for it. Do you understand that? Okay? So you got to get, this is not that hard theologically, but we don't think of it that way when we're reading the story. It's all on them that did it in the person. But we've done it too, and we continue to do it. And God says, I died for that. I died for that. I died for that. And I'm like, praise, praise the Lord that he did. And I want to be better, so I'm not putting you there anymore, Lord. Anybody? And when you love other people, you know, even those that can't stand you or you can't stand them, you know when you can do it, that you belong to him. Because it ain't, it ain't possible in any other way. You, not only that, you pass from darkness into the light. And friends, there's an awful lot of darkness around. There is, in fact, I would say, unfortunately today, there's more darkness than there is light. It's all around us. I see it all the time. I see people who are screwing around with it, messing with it, don't even know it. I see people who are so lost, they're the lost of the lost. And they don't know it. I don't, I don't think, that, some of them might, and they don't care. But I think most of them don't know. But I, friends, let me tell you something. I might not know everything, but I know the difference between darkness and light. I know the difference. I can feel the difference. I can see the difference. And I know it's happening. Anybody? I know the difference between darkness and light. And you better know the difference, friends. Okay? 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You have been chosen by God himself. You are priests 
of the king. Now, how many of you think of that, that you're a priest of the king? You probably think that maybe your pastoral staff is the priest. No, no, no. We all are. If you're saved, you're a priest of the king. Do you understand that? The Bible says we're going to be kings and priests with the Lord. Yes or no? Okay, so you're a priest of the king. He says you are holy and pure. Sometimes I don't really feel like it. But I want to be. I ought to be. And I should be. He says you are God's very own. All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. See, the only way these people are going to see it is that they see the difference in our lives. And if we don't look any different than anybody else, well, where's the light? All it is is darkness. The problem with it is we say, well, I don't live in the darkness. Maybe not, but you're living in the fog. You're living in the dusk. You're living in the area that's not real bright, you know. And that's not where Christ wants you to be. He don't want anybody to be anywhere but in this brilliant light. Because the Bible tells us what the brilliant light is going to be. In fact, it's going to be so bright, we'll never need the light of the sun again. Because the light that comes from the throne is going to be brighter than any sun in the universe. Do you get that? We will live by the light of the Father and the Lamb that was slain, the Son that's right next to him. Do you, do you grasp that? We will finally see the three in one together, and that light is unmistakable. You know what the beauty is? I can have that light on this earth. It's not going to be to the fullness that I'm going to have it in heaven, but I can have that. You know why? Because this light lives in me. Do you understand that, friends? You need to know the difference, and you've passed from darkness to light. And when you start seeing darkness, you know. When it's around, you know. You feel it. Your spirit knows it. Okay? Get away from it. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Walk away from it and help others to see the light to get out of that darkness. You pass, thirdly, from condemnation into justification, which means not guilty. <laughs> now, friends, I'm guilty of a lot of things. You may forgive me. You may not, but he always does. Right? You may forgive me. We may not forgive each other, but, but God will always forgive us if we ask for it. But here's the thing. You have to truly believe you did wrong and you want to change it. You have to, you have to, you got to want to change it. You have to want to change who you are to be forgiven. People don't grasp. They think that God will forgive us. We keep doing it. No. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. What about grace? <laughs> grace means you don't have to pay the penalty. Okay? Okay? I'm not going to get into that today. But, but you have to understand that you have passed from condemnation into being not guilty. There was no way to get out of get out. You were guilty. But because of what Christ did, and you accepted his blood and his forgiveness, not guilty, like it never happened. John 3.18, there is no eternal doom awaiting those who trust him to save them. I trust him to save me. I continue to trust him to keep me saved. Do you understand that? But those who don't trust him have already been tried and condemned for not believing in the only Son of God. And the only way they can get out of it is if they put their trust in him and change right there. He can and will change your status if you want it. If you want it. He changed mine. Did he change yours? Well, you know it, don't you? You know somebody that needs a status change? Is God bringing somebody to your mind right now? Needs a status change? Somebody that's so close. Maybe they're in a bad place right now. That's when you need to meet with them. Now, I've heard of jailhouse religion. I've seen jailhouse religion. That doesn't mean we stop. Once we present it, what they do with it is up to them. We continue to disciple them. They can walk what they want to. They can reject whatever. When this, and some people do. When status changes, things get better. Eh. But you're not responsible for that. You're responsible to bring him to them. Yeah? Secondly, not only can he change your status, he can change your destination. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I like the idea that he's changed my destination because I know what my destination was going to be. I, I did studies in this, friends, and I'm telling you, nobody would want to go there. No one. I don't care how much they flirt with it and mess with it, they wouldn't. I'll tell you again, and I've said it before, if people knew what hell really is going to be, nobody would choose it. Do you think Satan really wants to go there? Anybody? No, no, he doesn't. I recently saw a sign on the roadside. It says, where will you spend eternity? 
I see a lot of those things. They're out there. But this one compelled me. I'm like, wow. I had to think about it. Where am I going to spend eternity? So I began to think about what my eternity is. And the Lord started to show me what my eternity is. And it's, it's, it's the world. I, I, don't, I don't know what all of it entails, but I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and I know where my eternity is going to be with him. Now, the Bible answers this clearly for everybody because everybody can quickly know where they're going to spend eternity. Everybody in here can know where you're going to spend eternity. You can know right now. Everybody out there can know right now. Everybody. Everybody can know. Doesn't matter what's your relationship. Remember, I told you, everybody stands somewhere in relationship to God. It doesn't matter where on that line you are. You can know your destination like that. Everybody. Here's why. If you know you're saved, then you know where you're going to spend eternity. There's no question about that. Huh? Now, wake up, kids. Do, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Are you saved? Yes or no? Then you know where your eternity is. You know it. If you, if you know that you're not saved, then you still know where you're going to spend your eternity. Yes? Because the Bible's pretty clear. I don't think we need the Bible to know that. I think the Spirit makes sure we know it. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that people are going to be without excuse. They can see the evidence of God everywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're saved or not. You see the evidence of God. This, listen, when people say it happened out of this explode, uh, friends, <laughs> I'm not saying that what God spoke into existence didn't come like an explosion. But what I'm saying is God did it. However he did it, God did it. No way does some some organisms create this human body that can do amazing things for over 100 years. You, you're going to tell me no, no creator did that? No way. No way. And as far as medical science as we've come, we still don't know all the secrets of it. <laughs> so a, a very intelligent being created your body, let me tell you. It was no accident. Now, if you're not his, you're not saved, and you know it, you know you're going to spend eternity. You may not like it. You may not want to believe it, but you know. And if you don't know that you're saved, then you still know where you're going to spend your eternity. Because if you don't know, you're probably not. Because I know I'm saved. And everybody in here, we can start with Bishop, go all the way back, Serpentine, all the way back. And you're going to have to make a decision if you know you're saved or not. And if you're not 100% sure, then what's keeping you? What's keeping you? This isn't something to be screwing around with, friends. I'm telling you right now. You don't want to mess with this. Get saved right now. Yeah, don't even wait till the end. Come, we'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. And you, we'll do it right here, right now. Because that's more important than anything we'll do today. It is. And I'll go beyond that. Believers know. They know. They know. Because it isn't that difficult. And yet, here's what happens. Satan will still try to confuse us about this. And I love the graphic that Jonathan has put up. Is it really that different? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It, it, it really is. There's, there, there's that much difference between saved and unsaved. There is. And you can't know that until you become saved. You really can't. Satan tries to confuse us about all of this stuff. In fact, Satan will tell you whatever you want to hear and whatever you want to believe. Don't tell me he won't because he's done it to me. Okay? He knows where you're leaning in your thinking. He knows where you're leaning in your beliefs. He knows. You tell him. So it's not a real hard sale for him. He can sell you any bill of goods because he knows. He's done his research. He knows. I was in sales for a long, long time. That doesn't surprise anybody. But let me tell you something. When I walked into someone's office, I didn't know anything about them, and I wanted to sell them some printing. I wanted to be their, I wanted to be their print source. And I had to very quickly learn a lot about them. I had to know what their likes and dislikes were. I had to know what was important to them. I had to find out a few things about their background to try to find some commonality. 
And I had to know pretty quickly, what, and sometimes they wouldn't tell me what they really desired in a print source. And if they don't tell me what they're looking for, it's pretty hard for me to be it. Okay? But let me tell you something, friends. You tell Satan every single day what button, buttons are yours to push. We tell him who we are. More so in private than we do in public, I'm telling you. Okay? Yeah, yeah, nobody's going to dispute that because you know I'm right. And the Bible's clear about it. So, so here's the deal. Satan will try to confuse you. He knows. He will try to make us believe in some like purgatory, reincarnation, even Elysium, which is a false paradise of Greek lore. If you've done any reading of history of the Roman Empire, you probably know what I'm talking about. He believes in a lot of that stuff, Elysium. Maybe he'll make a case for oblivion, whatever that is. Or maybe he'll make a case that, well, you know, everybody just goes to heaven. That seems to be the popular belief. Or he'll help us to believe in nothing. Okay? Regardless, the fact is, he will try to keep you from salvation. Anybody believe that? Second Corinthians, Paul says in the fourth chapter, verses 3 to 4, If the good news we preach is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from the one who is on the road to eternal death. Amen to that. Okay. Satan, who is the god of this evil world, now that this is Paul talking, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light, there's that light again, of the gospel that is shining upon him, or to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. Now, friends, you, you, you do what you want with that passage. But that's powerful. And if anybody would know, it would be the Apostle Paul. My goodness. So here's the thing. Jesus changes your destination. It doesn't matter where you were headed this morning. He can turn you around. It doesn't matter if you've already got one foot in the grave. He can change it. It doesn't matter where you are in your status. He can change it. And he can do it this quickly. Whether you know it or not, somebody thought they would be brilliant and uh, try to cut the uh, uh, muffler off of our purple bus. They didn't get it, but they were pretty close. What they were trying to do, I do not know. I guess try to sell for scrap. I don't know. Maybe they found out it's not a catalytic converter. That seems to be the big thing now. But here's the deal, friends. They didn't get it. And, here's, here, and, and, and so I find out about this as I'm driving to South Bend Thursday. Friday. And so I told Jessica, I will take care of it when I get back on Monday. Why? Because there's nothing I can do about it at this point. I can't change it. I can't get it fixed when I'm not here. And the place that we would go to get it fixed is not open. So I can't do anything until tomorrow. You know what the difference is? God can change your destination and your status right now. It doesn't matter where, what, or when. He'll do it now. Wherever you are, at any time of the day or night, it doesn't matter. He will change it like this because it's that important. He's available to you every single time. You don't have to wait for anything. Why are we waiting? Why are we allowing others to wait? There's, there should be no waiting here. I love it when I go into some place and there's no waiting. Anybody? I like no waiting. That's right up my alley. No waiting. And with God, I get it. I receive it. No waiting. In fact, Jesus is the only way your eternal destination is changed. Here's, here's a fact that most people just can't believe. It won't matter how good of a person you think you are. It doesn't matter. Listen, uh, Jonathan made those uh, uh, pay it forwards. If you're not saved and you use those things and you pay it forward and you feel good about that and the person behind you feels good about it, it won't mean a darn thing. Yeah, you bless somebody, but it didn't change your destination. You can do all sorts of good things like that, and it does nothing. I'll tell you something else. If you're truly saved, you'll do more of that. More and more and more and more. It'll be, it'll be like clockwork. Because your destination has changed. 
Because your heart has changed. Because your mind has changed. Because you're changed. I know that because God changed me. Anybody here been changed? Do you realize it won't matter how good of a person others tell you you are? It doesn't matter. The only way to change your destination, regardless of how good you are, is, is to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and then to mirror your life after his. That's, that's, that's the absolute fact. I, 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 can't, I can't put it any more simply than that. And why God wanted me to bring that message today, I'm not sure. But somebody needed to hear it. Either on, on the radio, online, uh, at one of these churches. I don't know. Or maybe they'll do it later when they die. I don't know. But somebody needed to hear it, friends. Because I think that unsaved people attend church. I do. I know that Jesus says something very important. I'm going to read it out of the NLT. You're going to recognize it. John 14, verses 2 and 3. There are many homes up there where my father lives. And I'm going to prepare them for your coming. When everything is ready, then I'll come and get you so that you can always be with me where I am. If this wasn't so, I would have plainly told you. <laughs> That's a promise I'm banking on, friends. One more thing. If your eternal destination has already changed and you want it to remain in heaven, then start acting like a Christian. Did you hear that? Jonathan, we might want to post that somewhere. We might. I don't care if you put my name on it or you don't. Because all I did was repeat what the Bible tells me. That's all I did. I didn't think of that. If you want to keep <laughs> your eternal destination, if you've already been saved and you want to keep your eternal de destination in heaven, then start acting like a Christian. Because you're in danger of losing if you don't. To act like a Christian, you have to think like one. <laughs> Don't you? Have you ever found yourself not thinking like a Christian? Anybody in here sometime in the last 24 hours didn't think exactly like Jesus does? Huh? It, it, it happens real quick, doesn't it? Right? It, you know what the biggest thing is? To admit it. That's, that's the biggest thing. Admit it. Okay? Do you know to, to act like a Christian, you have to behave like one too. Anybody in the last 24 hours didn't behave like Jesus does? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I didn't, not, not my hands came up there, because you know, you're just like, Ugh. right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Did you know that to be a Christian, you have to believe like one? You know what Christians believe? That Christ saved them. He's coming again. And they have to do everything they can to be like him in every way until he does. That's, that's what Christians believe. If you're not believing that, or if you're not, here's the thing, you say you believe it, but you're not acting on it, you don't believe it. You can't. Because when you believe something, you do something about it. And when you don't, <laughs> and let's face it, we've all been, <laughs> sometimes. Huh? And God's not going to condemn you for that, but here's what he's going to do. Okay, you ready? <laughs> let's, let's get out of that, and let's, let's, get on, let's get on the road here. Let's all get on our road to Emmaus. Anybody? Where he can reveal himself to us again. And we'll know who he is. Because when you know who he is, now things change. Yeah? I wonder how many times we've been walking with him and didn't know it. <laughs> the Bible says we've entertained angels and we didn't know it. Right? God, ha God can reach you all sorts of ways. Can he? Do you know that way too many so-called Christians in the church today aren't nearly the strong Christian they believe themselves to be? Not, uh, Jonathan, we might want to post that too somewhere. That's a thought, just a thought. I, th I think that ought to be in quotes somewhere. Too many Christians in the church today aren't nearly the strong Christian they believe themselves to be. And they are in danger of their heavenly destination reverting back to eternal damnation. He changed your status. But if you're not like him, it can go the other way again. And yes, the Bible says this is true. Now, I know people dispute that, but it does. But, it, but, but it's deeper than this, friends. It goes deeper. Did you know that Jesus can change your purpose? This is my, my main point today, and I'll tell you why. Because I think there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't have a purpose. And I'm talking to all of you here. I'm putting my glasses on so I can see you. Everybody in here, if you're a saved Christian, you have a purpose. You may not think you do, but you have. And if you feel you don't have purpose, one of two things happen. Either the devil's convinced you you don't, or you're not saved. 
Either the <laughs> That's hilarious. Don't get me off my thought press, dude. <laughs> okay, so either 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 you're not saved or the devil's convinced you you don't have purpose. There can't be anything else. If you're a saved Christian, you have purpose. Pastor Chris, am I right? Do you have purpose if you're a saved Christian? Pastor Bob, am I right? Huh? Pastor Jonathan, am I right? If you're saved, you have purpose. Say it with me. I'm saved and I have purpose. Say it again. You say it until you believe it because it's true. And again, if you feel as a Christian you don't have purpose and you're saved, the devil convinced you you don't, and he's a liar. Jesus said so. Liar from the beginning. Father lies. He's the one who started them. Okay? And if you don't feel like you have purpose, the devil didn't do it, you're not saved. You grasp what I'm saying to you? Okay? So you have to understand you have purpose. Now I want to ask, you so, ask, ask yourself something. What's the reason for living? What is your reason for living? Because every single one of you ought to be able to tell me, and it ought to be about the same. Because your reason for living isn't to enjoy life. It isn't to enjoy your children. It isn't even to have them. You may have them, but that's not your reason. Your reason for living is to glorify God, period. That's your reason for living. And if you don't know that, something's wrong in your theology. Your reason to live is Him. That's it. Period. Now, many people just live life because they just want to have a good time. They think, they think life's a party, and that's all it's going to ever be. I like it when life's a party. I like it when everything's hunky-dory. I like it when things are good. Don't, don't we all? Come on. If you do, say so. How many of you like it when life's cool? It's good. Yeah. But that's not your purpose. I'm grateful it comes. Yeah. I'm grateful when it comes, but that's not your purpose. Do you realize that some realize somewhere along the line that they just don't feel like they have a purpose? It hits them out of the blue sometimes, usually on the tail end of some sort of depression. I'm not going to get into any, any clinical stuff, but that's what happens. Okay? I'm educated enough to know how it works. I'm, I'm highly educated in PTSD, highly educated in, in these things. I've, I've gone to school and done it. I've, I've been, I teach it now to chaplains because you have to be able to recognize it because I've, I've, I've talked to Christians that they know they're saved they go to church but they, they just something's wrong they, they have no joy and I ask who, who, who robbed you of your joy now I get, you're not going to have a lot of joy and you've had a bad day I get that but it can't go on for weeks and months at a time if you go for weeks and months at a time and you have no joy something's wrong friends Okay? You're probably depressed. I guarantee you're oppressed. Guarantee you, you are. Okay? I, I, I recognize it like this, and I know it. And then people say, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. And you know there is. Because you don't want to admit there's anything wrong. Why would we do that? Why would we not want to admit that there's something wrong? But we do. Self-protection? We're not protecting anything. All you're doing is giving Satan glory. That's all you're doing. Admit that there's a problem. Get help. Because I don't know anybody in here that doesn't want to have joy every day. And don't confuse happiness and joy because they're different. I'm not going to get into that today either. But you need to have joy. Every Christian I know, because of what Christ has done, he changed our status, has joy. Just because of that. Okay? So when you have no purpose or you feel like you don't, get help. Immediately. Did you know that others have no idea why they were even put here or why they remain? I've talked to people who say, I just don't know why God even let me be born. I don't know why I'm still here. They're depressed and oppressed, have no purpose. Because when you have purpose, you don't think that. You don't. And again, I'm saved and I have a purpose. Say it with me. I'm saved and I have a purpose. And if you think you don't or you don't know that you do, something's wrong. Your salvation alone gave you purpose. Do you understand? It's that simple. Now, when people don't know why they're put here or why, they, why they're ever born or why they remain, eventually it makes it easy to believe 
that you have no purpose, so why stay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why stay? And we know where that typically leads. Usually depression, eventually through oppression, possible suicide, which is exactly what Satan wants. But Christ gives you a real reason for living. It's to please and glorify him. You are an ambassador, friends, get this, for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one that's going to come from heaven with heaven's army, with the robe dipped in blood, with the king of kings and Lord of lords on his thigh, with the sword of truth and righteousness out of his mouth. You are an ambassador for him. His eyes are like the sun. Do you understand that? That individual is who you are an ambassador for. Not the one that was put in the grave, but the one that now lives. That's the one you are the ambassador for. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. I don't know how you interpret that any differently. It says we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. That's purpose. God is using us to speak to others. Paul did it for you and I and those around him, and you need to do it for everybody you know. You are Christ's ambassador, and you have purpose because you are saved. Do you understand? It's so simple. He says, we beg you, as though Christ himself here were pleading with you, receive the love he offers you and be reconciled to God. And I'm begging you now. If you don't think you have purpose, if you are depressed or oppressed, and you haven't had joy for a long time, friends, you're in the right place today. I don't care if you're online, at Mecca or here, we'll pray for you, I promise you. Okay? If you don't know your destination, if you don't know it's been changed, if you don't know if you're saved or not, well, you're in the right place. You're hearing the right message, aren't you? Because it's yours. He gave it to you. And if you are truly saved, if your eternal destination has truly been changed, if you are living life completely mirroring Jesus Christ, meaning that you think, you act, and you believe like him, and I would dare say you are completely obedient, got to add that. Let me tell you something. You have purpose. Doesn't matter what the devil's told you. Doesn't matter what society thinks. You have purpose. If you feel like you have no purpose, or if you wonder if you do, my advice to you is this. This is real easy. You ready? Take a real close look at your obedience to the Word of God. If you ever feel like you have no purpose, take a real close look at your obedience to the Word of God. <laughs> and let me tell you how I know that. I've been hurt in my spiritual journey by people. Anybody here been hurt by other Christians? Come on, admit it. Get your hand up and keep them up. Look around. We all have. If you haven't been hurt, you ain't in church enough. <laughs> right? I've been hurt in my spiritual journey. I've been hurt by pastors that rebuked me. I've been hurt by lay people who've rebuked me and I, because I usually didn't agree with them until a little bit later on. And that, anybody done that? Yeah. I've been hurt because I was part of a, uh, a group and things didn't go my way the way I thought they should, and I prayed about it too. Funny how that works. Uh, people didn't like the way the Sunday school was working when I was a Sunday school superintendent. <laughs> I had people didn't like the pastor and asked me what I was going to do about it when I was vice chairman. And when I wouldn't jump on the bandwagon to try to oust him, they were furious with me. When I backed the pastor, because that was my job to do that. Come to find out, a few years later, we found out the pastor had a brain tumor. Well, no wonder. Things were going wrong. So you, you, you just never know, do you? And he had to be at another Wesleyan church that loved on him. And we sent him packing. God had to forgive me for that. Although there wasn't really a lot I could do about it, he did resign. But the fact of the matter is, 
the, the clamoring. <laughs> that I, see, pe people are going to hurt you. Frank said something profound to me, and, he, and, he, and he, he said it Wednesday night. How many were here Wednesday night? Anybody here Wednesday night? Great study Wednesday night. You missed a good one. And he keeps bringing this up because this is where he is right now. Do you mind if I share? Frank said, look, if you're saved and you know where you're going, does any of this really matter? Does, it, does, does people hurting you really matter? You know what I'm going to tell you? If your eyes, and I'm going to tell you more tonight, if your eyes are focused here, people can't hurt you. They won't hurt your feelings. They can't upset you if your eyes are there. Because any time that you're hurting because something somebody did or didn't do or they said something or whatever, then, then you know that there's an awful lot of self in there. If there's self in there, how can you be here? If self is taken over, where's Christ in that? That's my question. This is exactly why Stephen wasn't hurt when they stoned him. He wasn't hurt. They were throwing massive rocks at this guy. Any one of them could have killed him with one blow. And he looked up in heaven and God graciously opened the heavens and let him see into it. It's the only time in history I can, I can find that it happened. He said, I see the Lord sitting next to the Father. And they went nuts. They started throwing blasphemy, throwing rocks at him. And he, just like Christ, Lord forgive him. I don't think he felt a darn thing. I don't. I don't think he felt any pain because his eyes were there. What they were throwing at him, no matter what name was on that rock, it didn't hurt him because his eyes were there. I want my eyes to be there. And any one of you who's throwing a rock at me for whatever reason, I, I don't even know you're doing it. And when I do, it's self. And when I find out you're throwing a rock at me and I look back at you to try to defend myself, what I ought to do is look here. Because when I do that, I, the rock goes away. It's gone. It does, friends. This is absolute truth. You can't escape it. Stop letting your feelings get hurt. Stop crying. Stop whining. Stop worrying. Because it ain't Christ. Those rocks are always going to be there. They're going to be cast from a variety of different places, including Satan. But when you keep your eyes on him, they're gone. Even if they land, if they hit the mark, you don't know it. It won't matter because he's all you think about. Because in the end, that's all you're going to do anyway. When you go to heaven, that's all you're going to see is him. That's all you're going to see. You see how easy this is? You have purpose. And friends, let's be honest about this. If you don't know you have purpose, if, you don't, if you're oppressed, depressed, whatever, then I, I, I would say ask somebody like your pastor or another strong Christian to help you. I, 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 you know, you'd be surprised what you'll discover about yourself, and then you'll have purpose. Because I'll bet you, even if, if, if you're willing, if you sit down with me or some, another strong Christian, we can possibly point out some things in your life that probably need to change. May not be able to do it right off the bat. I'm not thinking of anybody, and I don't know of anything. Don't get that in your head, because I didn't say that. What I'm saying to you is, in a few minutes, or 30 minutes or an hour, I bet I can find out. We'll have a conversation. I'll bet you I can find out. And then you can have purpose, because we can defeat the enemy and move forward with him with your eyes here. Because that's the key. Now, lastly, Jesus can change. He can change your outlook. You know, anybody had a bad attitude lately? You know anybody that's ever had a bad attitude their whole life? Huh? Don't be pointing fingers and looking at people. Saying, uh, uh, uh. Right? Okay? Friends, I want to tell you, I want to talk very honestly about, I want to go back to suicide for a minute. Because suicide isn't just physical. That's how we look at it, but it's not always physical. And I want to show you why. Because if you don't come to Christ, and you know you should, you're killing yourself for eternity. But killing yourself in the physical doesn't mean you're going to hell. Get that out of your head. The Bible doesn't say that. There's only one thing you can't be forgiven for, and that isn't it. It's blasphemy toward the Holy Spirit. So that means that, means that some people 
And they may not be. You know, some people might not be forgiven for it, but I'll bet you a lot of them are. You know why? Because the Lord knows the heart and mind more than you and I will ever know it. Okay. So suicide is the number, number two killer of teenagers. Did you know that? It's sandwiched between car accidents and drug overdoses. Did that stun anybody? It's, num it's number two. Between car accidents, car accident number one, drug, over drug overdoses are, are three. That probably shocks people. It's true. And I began to think about that. Why would young people with their whole lives ahead of them do that? It's almost like it's a glorious thing to do it. It's like we're glorifying it. Friends, you know why that's happening? Because Satan is having more control over the world. And the more he has, the more he promotes this garbage. It's a fact. I, I can show, I can prove it to you. Suicide rights are going like this. Why? Because Satan's controlling them. You see, they see life as pressure, distress, and defeat, and it's their only way out, and you know what? They're not alone. Suicide is the end of depression for the depressed. They think it is. It appears better than living, and it doesn't only strike the younger generation. In fact, law enforcement officers, and I know this because I had to go to school on it, are in the top three professions where they commit suicide. And I tell you this because this is important. This will shock you too. Most of the officers who did it weren't new to the job. Most of them were within 10 years of retirement. Most of them have been on the job more than 15 years and were between the ages of 41 and 55. Does that strike you as odd? Yeah. There was no rhyme or reason why people do it, but we know that they felt there wasn't any way out of what they were dealing with, whether it was real or whether it was in their, within their mind, which makes it real. Doesn't it? Here's what I know. Jesus can change your outlook no matter what it is. It's never so bad he can't change it. No matter how depressed or oppressed you are, what you're contemplating or what you're not, he can change your outlook, including that bad attitude that some of you have. Whether it's bad attitude toward your church, toward somebody in the church, or whether it's at your job, or maybe it's toward a parent. And let's, let's face it, <laughs> our kids have bad attitudes toward us sometimes. And we kind of have bad atti attitudes toward them sometimes, too, don't we? Well, let me tell you something. Christ can change your outlook. You don't have, you don't have to carry that outlook. You don't, you don't have to. Give it to him. Get rid of it. You know why? Because it doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong there. And I have to preach to myself on this, you know, sometimes. So whatever's depressing you, and even if Satan and his demons are oppressing you, Jesus can and will change your outlook if you'll only turn to him. But not only that, Jesus will give you a better quality of life. And Lord knows we all need that. Anybody here want a better quality of life? See, the problem with this, you think, you, you've listed your top three to five things that you think will give you a better quality of life, and probably he's not, he not in there. <laughs> right? Come on. When you think about better quality of life, I'm telling you, my, my wife and I are watching, uh, uh, what is it, uh, 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 Millionaires Who Buy Homes. Uh, a lottery millionaire, yeah. Watch that show. You win the lottery, and you get to buy this, new, and they all buy new. Listen, do you really think that's it? All you're going to do is take all the problems you got and move them into the new house. That's what you're going to do. And now you've got more place to put problems. <laughs> right? More of them. Friends, I mean, now maybe it's not that way for everybody, but I'm going to tell you something. If you look at your top three things that you think will give you a better quality of life, you better look to Christ. He, he's got to be there because those things are worthless. They won't do it for you. You think they will, and Satan told you they will, even though he has no intention of ever helping you get them. You see, it isn't about that. It never has been. John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. That's what it is. Depression, sadness, worry, insecurity, and a general poor attitude, friends, is, get this, say it with me, never from God. Depression, sadness, worry, fear, and insecurity, general poor attitude is never from God. Ever. God has nothing to do with any of those things. So where do they come from? Well, who among you is dealing with any of those things right now? 
Huh? Come on. You don't got to raise your hand, but I know. I know. There is no way that somebody in here or at Mecca or online doesn't deal with some of those things right now. No way. Do they come from God? No. Never have. So where do they come from? Well, you know where they come from. So who among you is dealing with them? Well, do I need to explain it further? I don't think so. Come to the altar of God. Find joy, peace, security, worth, <laughs> happiness, and the great attitude. Because you're saved and you have purpose. You have purpose. And you only get that, friends, when you meet with him and encounter with him. And anybody that deals with those things and wants to be anointed, uh, I don't know where the anointing oil is, but we'll scare it up. <laughs> if you need, Jessica's going to find it right, because I'm, I'm anticipating somebody needs it. Bob's even got some in his hand. So we will anoint you. You know why? Because you have purpose. Because you serve the king. And as our worship team comes, here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to try being different this year. Don't just think about it, intend to do it, to try to make the change. Friends, live it. Live it like it's already there. You know why? Because it is. You've already received it. Again, uh, a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I and a couple of our children maybe, and I know some of our friends, I know Matt and Sue went with us, uh, and a couple others. My favorite band of all time uh, is for him, and they were on the downswing, and they were all moving off to be, uh, worship leaders at churches because that's what they felt God was calling them to do. So they broke the band up. But they came to Maryland uh, Community Church, and I was delighted. I've seen them more than once. Uh, and and they, were, they, were they great? Were they stunning? They're fantastic. And, 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 and my fi one of my favorite songs is, All I Need, I Already Have It. All I Need, I Already Have It. And, and when I was on a mission trip to Ukraine, I was feeling very overwhelmed because I, was, I took a team of pastors with me, and we were teaching theological students for two weeks. Uh, and give them crash courses in the theology so they could be pastors in the, in, in the uh, United Evangelical Church of the Ukraine. And I was in charge of this. I had to not only take care of that, but I had to teach uh, advanced theology, and I had to make sure all the logistics got done, that everybody, and, and you know, get all that stuff. And I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And we were all sitting in the garden between two buildings at uh, Ukrainian Catholic University, and we were talking a little bit, and I was feeling pretty, again, overwhelmed and pretty bad about some things because I didn't feel like I'd done what I could have done and could have done, blah, blah, blah. And they said, are you, are you kidding? You're a brilliant theologian. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay? But to them, I was. And what God was showing me is I was blessing them because I had what they didn't. And I wonder, friends, if you realize that you're blessing people because you have what they don't even if it's nothing more than him. Because when you have him, that's a blessing. And you're blessing people. And my wife, when I was talking to her, sent me that song, that, and she said, all you need, you already have it. And it just uplifted me. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.